Welcome to Dangerous Christianity with Dr. Christopher Rodkey, where we explore new ways of being Christian that go against the grain, stands up against the church when it's evil, speaks truth to power, and reclaims the Bible as a radical message of hope, liberation, and justice. Dr. Rodkey is pastor of St. Paul's United Church of Christ in Dallastown, Pennsylvania, and leads the sacred profane community, a post-faith gathering for those seeking to nurture a literate and misfit geeky, sometimes sneaky, as well as a queer-affirming and beer-affirming spirituality. All information mentioned throughout the program is listed in the show notes. And now, please welcome Dr. Christopher Rodney. Our scripture reading today is taken from Luke chapter 8, the 19th verse. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But he said to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. One day he got on a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out and while they were sailing, he fell asleep. A windstorm swept down on the lake and the boat was filling with water and they were in danger. They went to him and woke him up shouting, master, master, we are perishing. And he woke up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. They ceased and there was a calm. He said to them, where is your faith? They were afraid and amazed and said to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. This is a story that's probably pretty familiar If you know the story of Jesus, it's told in different ways in the Gospels. First, Jesus essentially disowns his mother in front of a crowd, and then he takes his disciples privately into a boat, saying he wants to go the other side of the lake. As they go along, Jesus goes to sleep when a storm comes. They then wake Jesus up, saying, we're dying out here, and commands the wind and the water to calm down, and they do. And then Jesus asks all of them, where is your faith? And their response, amazed at what they saw, was, who is this that he commands even the winds and the waters, and the wind and waters obey him? The question about the authority of Jesus is one we'll explore next Sunday uh, with the following story. But today I want to focus on the first part of these two short episodes in the Jesus story. Now, if you remember, and you were listening last week, right before this story, Jesus criticizes the disciples, even if they don't understand the criticism. When Jesus leads them onto the boat, he's well aware that the disciples think of themselves as quite important over other people, as the disciples had personally called and said so. It's important here that Jesus leads them onto the boat. It's not their idea. It's his idea. Jesus tells them where they're going to go and what mode of transportation they will take. Again, Jesus leads them onto the boat, and then he falls asleep. While Jesus is sleeping, 
and dreaming. The storm comes and it's beyond their skills as fishermen to control the waters and the waves. Now it's quite likely that many of the disciples were experienced on fishing boats, but the Sea of Galilee only occasionally gets windy gusts from the Mediterranean Sea. And the waves from that would probably not be much of a problem for the fishermen. But in this story, it sounds like a serious sea storm. And it's not likely the disciples knew what to do on the boat. They probably haven't spent much time on a crew of a boat outside of their hometown and region. Jesus commands the disciples into deeper waters and into danger. And Jesus then commands the winds and the waters. Now, during this time, the pagans worship gods of the sea and gods of the wind. Jesus is doing something here that myths and legends of other gods tell. Healing the sick is one thing. Commanding a storm on the water is something, something different. That's something more becoming of a god. When Jesus asked them, where is your faith? A good question is what he means by that in this very moment. If you had seen all of this happen before you, if you were on that boat with them, would you not have faith in your own survival, what had just happened? The disciples didn't doubt that their lives had just been saved. Remember, right before this in Luke, he criticized the kind of faith the disciples had because their faith was self-oriented and self-elevating. And this faith that they had oriented themselves toward their own survival. And that's perfectly human. That's what we do. Jesus is implying that they should have not had fear if they really believe that the Son of God is with them. This kind of faith goes against our nature to be scared or frightened for our own lives when facing danger or death. The kind of faith Jesus is calling the disciples toward in this moment is one that's assured that everything is going to be all right especially if you are physically standing in the presence of God. One might think that God can't die, and as it happens, God does die on the cross later in the story. But even death cannot hold the love of God down for humanity, even when they get it seriously wrong. So here on this boat, after the storm, Jesus is calling his followers into a new kind of faith. One of the ways that we understand baptism is that it's a kind of ritualized murder when it is done with an adult. You are drowned, and then you are born to new life and said you have a new life. In this new life, it is a faith that transcends the reality of death. And if it doesn't, well, that's the way we're wired. It's a lifetime of journey of overcoming our fear of our own demise. Jesus calls his disciples on the boat after they face death in the waters to a new kind of faith. The question that, that he asks, where is your faith, is asking where is your faith placed? It's a question of location. Is it placed in this world or in eternal life with Christ? Is it placed in survival of storms or survival of death? Is the object of that faith anything but Jesus? Is the object of our faith really something else when you say it is faith in Jesus? Now, in the last two weeks, I've been reading up on contemporary spirituality, things that are happening, 
spiritually in our culture. This is on our mind a lot, and there's some new books that have come out recently on it because the plate tectonics of spirituality are shifting around us. The thing is, there's no shortage of faith in our world. There's lots of big churches. Something like 85% of all Americans attend a church that has more than 1,000 members. That means all the other churches, the, the majority of them, are preaching to the 15% of those remaining who identify as Christian. Times are changing. Astrology is emerging as a new industry among millennials. This is very interesting. This generation of young people emerging around us that is entrenched in science more than any generation before is turning to astrology in numbers never seen before. The New York Times Magazine, uh, New York Times had an article about this very recently, citing venture capitalists inviting, uh, investing in this emerging $2.2 billion industry and growing. I'm not knocking ne astrology necessarily here. There's astrology and references to it in the Bible. But my point is that something new is emerging right now. Times are changing in ways we've never seen before. One of the ways, though, that is changing is how we is something we see grounded in Jesus' faith question about where your faith is. Jesus prefigures this move. Jesus doesn't question that the disciples have faith. Jesus is asking what that faith is in and what that object, what is the object of that faith. And even further, and this is what's changing in our culture, what kind of faith? Jesus is asking what kind of faith the disciples have. Again, what kind of faith? Again, there's no shortage of faith in our culture. If you listen to our elected leaders, they seem to have a lot of faith in themselves and their ideas. So much more that if someone agrees with them, if someone different agrees with them, then they must be wrong also. There's no shortage of faith, but Jesus' question is what kind of faith? Faith in yourself or faith in something else? Faith in something self-serving or faith in something else? What kind of faith? It does not take courage to believe in something that is comfortable. It takes no courage to believe in something because you're told to believe it. It takes no courage to have big faith and to use that faith in that Bible, that church, as a weapon against others. It takes no courage to believe in the love and power of Jesus if you've never attempted to experience it or practice it. In fact, for some, it takes an enormous amount of faith to avoid the experience and practice of Jesus and his love. The question on the mind of the new generation emerging around us is not whether you have faith, but what kind of faith you have and how that faith translates into a better world. This isn't to say that it's the most important question there is about religion, nor is it really new. My point is that Jesus is asking that question right here in the eighth chapter of Luke. The disciples have faith, but is it the kind of faith that really placed trust in something other than their, themselves? Is it faith that really overcomes fear of what is immediate? Is it a faith that is born out of a love for humanity, shaped in the form of the one who took up a cross out of love for this world? I'm drawn to this image of Jesus sleeping on the boat. 
That's not the image of Jesus that we normally have. I ask, what does Jesus dream about? My sense is that Jesus is dreaming about the end goal of every word he says when he's awake. That the dream God has for this world is to be united in love and peace and in justice. This is the ultimate goal. Jesus is the one who shows us how to do the dream work of God in this world. That is what he calls the kingdom of God. The kind of faith that builds the kingdom of God is one whose object is not myself, but on this future reality where we will finally overcome the sin of this world and barriers finally collapse between people and wars between nations and tribes cease. When we are called to discern, when we are called to act in a kind of faith that aligns with the dreams of God and the work of the Son of God, we will, and this is important, we will not be called into safe waters. We will be called into risky waters and into deeper waters. Jesus will lead us into the storm if we're willing to approach and take the risks. As Jesus leads us on the boat to sail away from the safety of land and the tumultuous waters that lay ahead is whether we have the courage to have the kind of faith that surrenders everything to Jesus standing right before us in our midst. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, so be it. Thank you for listening to Dangerous Christianity. For more information about how to get involved in the movement, how to contact Dr. Christopher Rodkey, or where to find information regarding his preaching itinerary, publications, or how to make a contribution to his ministry, please refer to the listed show notes. Dr. Rodkey, again, would like to thank all of his listeners for continuously supporting and tuning into his work and message. Thank you.